This is Growing Agri People, a podcast to inspire, power, and celebrate people of agriculture. Brought to you by Sally Murphitt of Inspire Ag, who believes the power of agriculture is in its people. Each episode connects you with people and ideas to help you grow your human capital. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Growing Agri People. I'm your host, Sally Murphitt. In this episode, I speak with Georgina Gubbins, and we talk about her farming business, her off-farm industry leadership roles, and the people that she's surrounded herself with that have supported and mentored her along the way. You see, for the first 16 years of Georgina's working life, she was a nurse, and it wasn't until her then-husband walked out on her and her daughters that she took over the reins of the family farming business. Food and fibre production has traditionally been taken for granted, according to Georgina, and she says that we need to concentrate on communicating a much more positive message. And she reckons now is a great time to let young people know that there is a bright future in our fabulous industry. Originally, the vision for this episode was to talk about how we attract talent to agriculture after I read an article that taught where she spoke about this particular topic a couple of months ago. During this conversation, Georgina also opens up about losing her dear brother and mentor, Simon. There's a trigger warning here. Georgina lost Simon to suicide. I wanted to mention this firstly to acknowledge Georgina's courage and strength in talking about such a difficult topic. And secondly, to flag that there are some parts of this conversation that some listeners may find upsetting. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoy episode six and the final for 2020 of Growing Agri People. Georgina Govins, thanks so much for joining me on another episode of Growing Agri People. It's great to be with you, Sally. For those that don't know you, who are you and what do you do? I'm a farmer in southwest Victoria. I farm prime lambs and beef cattle. I also have a number of industry roles, of which the main one at the moment is chair of the Great South Coast Food and Fibre Council, which takes in the five shire councils for the region. We are the number one regional GDP for Victoria and we're in the top three for Australia. So it really is the powerhouse, a very safe and sure place to be farming. Sounds like a wonderful place to be living but also to be doing business. It is. It's having lived in Queensland for five years between Mitchell and St George, there's a lot more money to be made in mud than there is in dust, let me tell you. (laughs) So Georgina, how would your friends describe you? I mean, you've described yourself there as a professional business person, but how would your friends describe you? I think they'd describe me in a similar way, but also always seeking information and wanting to know how to do better and willing to share when I do find out how to do do things better, willing to share that knowledge around. So if you had nothing scheduled for the rest of the day, what would we find you doing? How would you be spending your time? It would depend on whether I was on farm or off farm. Off farm, I spend a lot of time on my computer reading, preparing for meetings, planning. I do a lot of planning for uh, what goes on on farm, making sure that all the chemicals, both pasture and 
vet chemicals are there, planning when we're meant to be doing things, organising people to be in the right place at the right time. We do a lot of recording of information. I analyse a lot of the information because if you don't measure things, you can't improve. So always doing something. What about personally? Personally, I learnt when my brother committed suicide in 2003 that you've got to look after yourself. So actually, I ride horses and I enjoy life with friends. I'm sorry to hear about your brother. It was a hard time. (laughs) It still is a hard time, but it sort of makes you more humble to other people, I think. I could only ever imagine. Have you always been a farmer, Georgina? No, I was brought up on a farm in the Western Districts of Victoria and in an era where the boys were the ones who were going to go farming and the girls were the ones that were going to get married. So when I left school, I actually went nursing and I nursed uh, for 16 years. I got married in that time and it was when my husband actually left me that I went farming and farming has been fantastic for me. Um, It's given me a lot of opportunities and I've been able to grow a lot as a person um, and it's just been a great industry. So you didn't set out to be a farmer. So what has kept you in this fabulous industry? I think it's the people. I've had a lot of support from a lot of people and it's a great way. I'm not a routine person, so it's been a great way for me to mix things up have some time in the office, have some a lot of time out in the outdoors, which I really enjoy doing. It sounds like you've overcome some incredible challenges in your life. How have these experiences changed you? Probably a lot less judgmental than what I used to be. Has it changed me as a person? It has shown me that I can do what I w- want to set myself to do. And if you really want to do something, you find out how you need to go about it and then set out to achieve what you want to do. What would you say to others that are in that situation that you've uh, just described to us, Georgina? I would say have a go. But when when you do have a go, think about how you can go about doing it. And part of that is educating yourself. And that doesn't necessarily mean going to university. It means talk to other people about it, find out how they did it and if you don't put your toe in, you'll never know. That's so true, isn't it? So let's shift gears a bit. The intent of this episode was to explore how agricultural employers can attract and retain people into this amazing industry and I want to start by what you touched on before about your off-farm roles such as the boards and, and chair roles that you have. What draws you to these positions? Agriculture has given me a lot, so part of it is about giving back to the industry, but it's also about I love learning things and I love learning more and those roles have enabled me to learn so much. Um, So it's a two-way street whereby you're giving to them and they actually give back to you. Do you think agriculture has a perception issue, Georgina? I do, and you just have to speak to people like Bill Hamill at uh, RIST, which is Rural Industry Skills Training, who did a PhD on farmer perceptions. And the perception a lot of people have of a farmer is of a older, 
white male who's scruffy looking and quite staid in their views, sometimes dirty. So I think definitely we have perception issues. Also was at a, um, a water conference in Melbourne and I had a journalist coming to interview me and I saw this lady walking up and down and in the end I said, oh, are you looking for me? And she said, oh, I thought I had no idea that you were a farmer because you don't dress like a farmer. And I think when we're representing ourselves as farmers, we've got to think how we're portraying ourselves to the rest of the world. And I think we're our own worst enemies. If we want to be seen as professional, highly tech, forward-thinking, environmentally conscious people, we really need to portray that to the public. That, that, that's the image I try to portray to people outside the industry. It's like one of my catch cries is that if we want the the general public to value us as as food and fibre producers, we've actually got to learn to start to value ourselves, don't we? You're dead right. And it's it's really hard in our industry because we have so many smaller entities and we don't think about how we fit into the bigger picture and how we betray ourselves, as I said, to the global world. And I think that's one of our biggest downfalls and we just need to think about, okay, how am I a tiny little blip in in the industry coming across to other people and we need to be mindful of that. Why do you think agriculture has a perception issue? I, I think we're very humble and we don't like to talk out about how well we're doing and because of that I think the minority negative views that are very noisy are portrayed to the rest of the world. How do we, how do we overcome these issues? I think that we need to tell more people about our industry and how, what we're doing in our industry, the fact that there are people living a comfortable lifestyle, enjoying life, Yes, there are downtimes, but there are always horrible downtimes in whatever industry you're in. And remembering that we're not any more special than anyone else because we work hard. There's other industries that work hard. We just need to tell it as it is. We're highly geared, highly technical, and we run out, you know, we look after our animals well because it's in the animal's best interests, it's in our best interests. We look after the environment because it's in our own best interests. And it's just all good business sense, let alone doing the right thing. Have the events of 2020 put a positive light on the industry, do you think? I definitely think it has because really our industry has been not greatly touched by the pandemic. Business has been as normal because people still need to eat and clothe themselves. On a scale of 1 to 10, how well do you think we attract and retain talent to our industry, Georgina? I think the good people do it well and I think there are some people that are letting the side down and I'm just thinking about the horticultural industry which is in the spotlight at the moment. I'm sure there are some really good operators that operate really well, look after their staff really well but there is that low minority that don't do as well and people are speaking out about them. And I think that's where the weak link is. 
A question that's been bouncing around in my mind for a long time is how does agriculture become an industry of choice? I think we need to sell ourselves better. And I think, you know, we need to present to the public better. We need to educate ourselves so that we can speak quite freely to the press, so that we can be proud of who we are and what we're doing. And to just think that if we are being humble, we're actually not doing ourselves a service in terms of encouraging people into the industry. Are there industries that you're aware of that are that are doing this attracting and retention well? I think the tech industry is doing quite a good job because it's exciting and people like to hear of exciting things and future-focused things, and I can't think of any others. Well, well, the health industry, I mean, it has its ebbs and flows. It's an industry, well, any industry that needs people all the time, I think, can attract people. What do you think we could learn from from health and, and tech? To look after people well and make them feel valued. I think, once again, it comes back to having that public face of saying to people, we really value your input. And, and part of it is we've got to bring people along with us. So we've got to have in our leadership, we've got to be always encouraging people to come along. I, I have a motto where I'm, I'm always looking for the next person to replace me. And I think that renewal all the time helps. And I think that helps people coming into the industry that they're not seen that someone may be a blocker or something like that to them so that they can aspire to climb up the career ladder, et cetera. That's a really interesting point that you make there that you are always on the lookout for somebody to replace you. I think that's probably the big challenge for agriculture, isn't it? That you, um, well, as an industry, we tend to, you know, particularly if we're family owned and operated, our our position that, that we're in is often you know, the, the highest position there is within that business or organisation. And so there is nowhere for that person to go. I suppose that's what, another reason why I'm, I'm taking on industry roles as well, though, to allow other people to step up into areas on the farm that I normally would have total management over. So it's to help them step up into those roles because I'm not there as often. With with your particular farming enterprise, how many people do you employ? Um, I've got one and a half on one farm and four on another. Somebody in a management role in each of those farms? Yes. So what about culture, for example? How how important do you think that is to the, the puzzle of attracting people to the industry? I think culture is a really important point in that you've got to – be flexible with people. You've got to treat them like you want to be treated yourself. You've got to give them opportunities like training opportunities, things like that. But you've got to find out from people what they want out of it because it's got to be a give and take. So not only are they working for you, you've also got to make the work work for them so that they're developing as people as well. If they want to do something like if they're passionate about their sheepdogs, well, let them go off and do sheepdog schools and things like that and associate with people who are experts in that field or I'm thinking of things like lifetime you groups where, you know, they start in a group and then 
after two years, the, the group sort of folds, we'll try to look at some way of uh, continue on in that sort of structure if that's what they want to do. I think that's a, a big perception issue in our industry from an employer point of view, isn't it, that everyone has this attitude, or I shouldn't say everybody, that's a very big generalisation, but there are a lot of people in the industry that say, why would I train them when they're going to leave me in two and a half years because that's the average time that a, a, a person stays in a role these days. Yeah, but I suppose we've got to flip that around and look at how we're developing our people and, and know that sometimes, yes, they might move on, but they also might come back mm. later on down the track with a bit more experience from someone else. Yeah, definitely. Why do you think the industry industry employers tend to have that that attitude about, well, I'm not going to spend my money on training that person when they, they might leave me and they might come back, but they essentially they might leave me? I think it sort of stems out of the fact that traditionally that's how it was seen, that why train them because you know, they might leave us. But I think as more and more, particularly in farming families, you know, people go off, succession people going off, working in corporations, and that's why I really like, you know, people off farm going and working for corporations and things like that and seeing how other industries do things. And I think when they come back on farm, it helps that because they realise that their HR has got to improve a fair bit. I think that's something that we saw when a lot of our farm hands left the industry, went to the mining sector, they experienced what it was like to have formal systems and processes and now they're coming back on farm because it's, you know, we've, we're attracting them back into the industry. They're actually bringing that mentality back with them, aren't they? Like they're demanding that they have those formal systems and processes to be supported. I agree totally and and I think it's great for the industry and I think it's important for the industry. A lot of agricultural employers have an attitude of, you know, why do I need to waste my money on doing systems and processes or policies and procedures? What's your take on that, Georgina? I think it's money well spent because it's not until things go wrong that you realise how important it has been. Do you think it is, you know, people have the perception that policies and procedures are to hit somebody over the head with or used in a way that is actually a, a psychological contract for the want of a better term of, you know, this is this is what's expected around here, this is how you need to conduct yourself in order for us to have a great relationship? I think it's about a mindset and, and having the mindset of why you're doing it and thinking about the mindset of why you're doing it. And I think it's about having policies and procedures is about it's a, another form of um, communication to the employee of how we like things done in our business. So it sort of lays the ground rules for the employee and makes it less confusing for them. Certainly a good part of um, good employment policy, isn't it? Exactly. Who's been the most influential person on your career? I've had a number of fantastic people that have really helped me and one of them was my brother Simon. Um, in the very early days when my husband first uh, left me, Phil Holmes was amazing to me. The sheep industry, particularly the prime lamb industry, have been really supportive of me um, and I'm going to mention people if I mention people, I'll leave people out. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the way, isn't it? 
but, but on the whole, there have been some amazingly supportive people and they do say surround yourself with people better than yourself and people will think you're better than you are. And I think that is what I've done. I've surrounded myself with people who are better than me but who think in the same way, being positive, forward-thinking, progressive people, and it just snowballs from there. So the first person that you mentioned as as being a, an influential person on your career was, was your brother Simon. Tell me about Simon. What was it about Simon? Simon was a person who believed in me and believed in me as a person, uh, as a female. He treated me on an equal footing at a time when not all men in agriculture treated me on an equal footing. He was very encouraging. He was fantastic at if I had a problem, I could go to him, ask him, and he would have the answer. And if he didn't have the answer, he would have someone who would have the answer for me. And so what about Phil Holmes? What was it about Phil that that has been an influence on your career? Phil was someone, when my husband first left me, I decided that I needed to start benchmarking to see how I could improve from a financial perspective on farm. And I went to Phil and I was bawling my eyes out because I was newly um, single, I suppose. Phil put up with all the tears and everything like that, asked me some very important questions, you know, why are you doing what you you're about to do, all that sort of thing. I obviously gave him the right answers. And he sort of took me under under his wing a little bit to help me run a profitable farm. And he also, whenever I, like I became president of the Grassland Society of Southern Australia, whenever I rang him to say, Phil, I've got this speaker place that I need someone for, will you please fill it? or I need someone to speak on X, Y, Z, who would you recommend, that sort of thing. So in those early days, he was, he was there for me when I needed him. Mm. And it was, it was never an impost. And, and that's the thing about people like Phil and Simon. They never make you feel that it's an impost when you, you ring them, no matter how trivial it may be. I think that's, you know, you've got psychological or you've had psychological safety there, haven't you? Like you, you've had the ability to to put ideas on the table that may or may not have stacked up in any given situation and you've you've got people or had people around you that have been prepared to say, no, hang on, let's let's slow the bus down or pull up the bus for a minute and have a bit more of a think about this. That's so important, I think. And and, and for them to be honest and call you out when you need calling out too. Absolutely. If you had a chance to start over again, what would you do differently, Georgina? In agriculture? Yeah. Probably as soon as I left school, I would have either done ag science or a business degree and just gone from there. But you, mm-hmm. learn, you learn what you learn in life, so you end up where you end up and you just got to make every opportunity work. What goals have you got for yourself in the next 12 months? Well, I've bought more land. <laughs> so it's to get it set up so it can be... Uh, another single operator entity with it having been a COVID year I'd like to have be able to have the opportunity to go away for a period of time because it's not until you've been away for at least four week in a four week block that you realize how important it is to recharge your batteries the beauty about going overseas or something like that is you're 
contactable so you can really forget about what the problems are at home. And that really brings into the point about having the right people around you, doesn't it? Exactly. What keeps you up at night? Oh, different times, different things keep me up at night. It can be family issues, it can be problems on farm. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you can only change what you can change. Don't try to change things that are out of your control. Georgina Govins, I appreciate and respect how real you've been in this conversation and I wish you all the best for a very productive and prosperous 2021. Thank you, Sally, and same to you. Growing Agri People is an Icon Media production for Inspire Ag, hosted by Sally Murphitt with the theme music from Daniel King. If you enjoyed this episode, please share this podcast with someone who you think will get some value out of it. And make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode.